Welcome to EdCouncil Insights. This is our podcast to provide insights into new developments in the Missouri education community. If you are a Missouri school leader, school board member, or any public educational decision maker in Missouri, well, you are in the right place. Today, we're going to talk about new board members and some of the common mistakes that new board members tend to make. Each year, we onboard members who are, um, they may be experienced, uh, perhaps you know, professionally well accomplished. People who are proven leaders in the community, or perhaps they are even retired educators or sometimes current educators in a different district. Maybe they have been successful board members of local entities like nonprofits and the like, many of whom are individuals with the best of intentions, but who nevertheless shoot themselves in the foot because board service, school board service, is a very, very different animal. It is almost deceptive in its complexity. On the surface, it appears to be a fairly straightforward undertaking. You know, certain aspects of the job are readily apparent. But once you really start to study it, understand it, and perhaps most importantly, experience it, you begin to realize that for every layer you see, there are at least three more layers of complexity under the surface to be reckoned with. And we never really truly know who will turn out to be a good board member. I am often surprised about how this shakes itself out over time. As an example, you know, you know, early in my career, one of my client school districts had an individual elected who I had been convinced was going to be very detrimental to the district and the board. This lady had been associated with and supported by particular groups in the community that had a specific agenda, and that agenda really paid lip service to acting in the best interest of kids, but had a record of acting in ways that really acted to the detriment of the district as a whole, and certainly to the kids and students of the district as a whole. I was deeply concerned that the election of this individual might mean for the district what it might mean for the district, and that was really based on what I'd been told about her and, and also who she had associated with. Putting it simply, I thought she was going to be bad for the board and bad for the district. As it turns out, I was dead wrong. This board member came into the office. She diligently studied the issues and the role of a board member. She listened to alternative perspectives effectively advocated her point of view and grew with each year of board service. She and I did not always agree, <laughs> and that's an understatement, I suppose, but, uh, but I came to know her as a board leader with integrity and character who worked hard to understand the complexities of board service as one who understood that she had to reconcile n- numerous competing interests and she, you know, that she and the board would be made to be out to be the open quote bad guy in the process. But she used as her constant guide, her North Star, the best interest of the kids of the district as a whole. And at the end of the day, one of the people I thought would be a horrible board member uh, going into it turned out to be one of the absolute best board members I had the privilege of working with. So 
as I say, you never know. Regardless of, uh, you know, the board member's experience, where they come from, who they've been associated with, there are a lot of things that a new board member has to assimilate. They have to understand a lot of different information. And it's not just technical information about the job of being a board member, but also the relationships and how things work, you know, among the people that are involved. So today, I thought we might take a little bit of time and talk about some of the more common mistakes new board members make, especially in the wake of a recent election. And it appears that we're going to have a number of new board members serving in our Missouri school districts. You know, I think that there are probably a number of mistakes that we could talk about today, but I want to kind of focus on just a handful. And the first one I I think probably comes up most often, and that is failing to understand and honor the role of a board member. That one is one that is uh, pretty commonly (laughs) engaged in by board members, and it, it does take a while to really understand and appreciate what I'm trying to say. but. One of the things that I see often, and this goes to understanding and honoring the role of a board member, is focusing on the tactical rather than the strategic. That is a very common mistake that's made by new board members and, frankly, experienced board members uh, from time to time. And that includes everything from taking you know, fragmented actions without really looking at the precedent that they're setting. Everything from that to engaging in micromanagement of the administration to just not understanding that a board is the governing body of the district and sets the strategic direction for the district. It doesn't engage in operational details, although it does review those details in order to make the decisions that are put before it. So there's this this balance that has to be accomplished by a board. And that is understanding that the role is strategic, but engaging in meaningful oversight. And that is a balance that is achieved only with some level of experience and dedication to the task at hand. And it takes, takes a while for people to understand that. And it's a very common mistake for our new board members. You know, another piece of of understanding the role of a board member goes to the idea about understanding the difference between special interest and general interest and being able to distinguish the two. It's hard sometimes for new board members to understand that they're not there to deal with individual matters, meaning matters involving individual students, individual employees, and so forth. And That may strike some as being uh, kind of an odd statement, but really you're there to govern the district and not deal with individual issues unless that individualized issue has been presented to the board through some sort of appellate process, and then it becomes a board matter. Otherwise, the board's role is to govern generally, not on individual specific issues. And that can be hard for people to adjust to because they, you know, the, the mindset coming in might be that, uh, well, people, you know, on the board haven't listened to uh, the community enough. And, and maybe they haven't listened to a particular vocal minority. And 
that is something that has to be reconciled and understood that you're not there to accomplish what is driven by the special interests. You're there to accomplish the general interests of the district and what's best for the collective good of the district as a whole. And that only comes with some, some time and some seasoning, I think. Last thing I would say is that, uh, that sometimes in, this, in the issue of the role, it can be tricky business dealing with uh, communi- communicating with patrons, whether you're talking about email or you're talking about uh, what I call grocery store conversations where people approach you. But, uh, and it's fine to communicate with patrons. It's just that there are some ways to handle those conversations that are productive, and there are some ways to com- uh, handle those conversations that are less than productive. And, you know, having those conversations and stating things without a full understanding of the issues, without conferring with the superintendent and, and without failing to route those things to the appropriate chain of command really can come back to haunt board members. And uh, it takes a while. Uh, and there is a learning curve that's rather steep on dealing with that one. You know, the second thing, a uh, common mistake that, I, that I've often seen is acting before learning. And what I mean by that is that, uh, as I suggested a minute ago, that it is a tremendous learning curve. The, um, but understanding the implications of individual board member actions or board actions and the ramifications and being able to see around those corners, it takes some experience. And the temptation, you know, coming off of a campaign and rolling into this role of as a board member and and being a part of the governing body it's the temptation is to act before you really have a full understanding of the landscape and the context and maybe why we do things the way we do them and that lack of understanding of why can lead to a number of issues some of which are legal in nature and present legal risk and there are a lot of legal constraints and that is a part of the reason why we do things the way we do. And it takes, takes a while for people to understand. And sometimes they, they learn the hard way uh, by being exposed to legal risk or perhaps out of compliance with the law. But, you know, one of the other things that I would uh, really want to encourage new board members to think about is that learning the state of the district, the, assessing where the district currently is is a really, really a critical thing to, to learn before you act. The, uh, you know, and, it, and it's never, I mean, it, it's one of those situations where there's so much that you really do have to study uh, some of those things before you approach a particular issue. And, and sometimes you'll, you'll be exposed to an area that you have to make a decision upon that, you know, you just don't know much about, and you certainly don't know where the district is on it. And that assessment is really, really important before acting. And when I say that, I mean, I mean that in the sense of before you either oppose what is being recommended by the administration, but also before you rubber stamp what the administration is saying and take that recommendation without really thinking and, and for yourself, learning for yourself what uh, you need to know about that decision and what's behind it. All right. Uh, Third common mistake I want to talk about. Violation of the rules of board member conduct. 
<laughs> there are lots of rules regarding board member conduct and uh, the uh, you'll find them from a variety of places. Some are legal in nature and they're hard coded into our statutes. Those would involve things like conflicts of interest and, you know, speaking out about confidential issues and sunshine law matters. And those things are legal in nature and are going to govern the conduct of an individual board member. But then there are most things are actually not in the law. They're in policy. And, you know, everybody has a board member policy or a board policy, I should say, that deals with board member ethics. Sometimes it's called a number of different things. Sometimes it's a statement of practices, that sort of thing. But the Board of Education is at some point or another determined as a matter of policy. These are the things that are expected of a board member as an ethical matter. And they involve a lot of different aspects of the job. I would, if I were a new board member, I would want to know what those things are and get inside of those relatively quickly so that I didn't have a, an ethical misstep early. And then the, there's a, a third group of, of rules, if you will, that uh, it's important to be cognizant of. And that, I think, and that is, uh, you know, it gets framed in a number of different ways. Sometimes it's called board norms, sometimes board commitments, board agreements number of different things, but they go to the ground rules for how you're going to operate as a board and as a board member. That would include things like no surprises at board meetings and maybe not assuming the, the, the <laughs> assuming bad intentions of other part, others. You know, those are the kinds of things that you also want to be aware of and what those norms are. And a lot of times uh, I find that we find ourselves in, in either, you know, maybe it's uh, May or June, and we've got some problems in terms of uh, a new board member's uh, conduct because, frankly, nobody really explained to them what those norms might have been. So, something to 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 keep an eye on, and that is a pretty common mistake. You know, the fourth area that I think is worth mentioning as a common mistake is the failure to exercise patience. It's easy. I think for new members to come on board and uh, <laughs> would like to uh, move forward on items that maybe are on their radar or part of their campaign or what they've heard the district needs to change. And that's certainly understandable because we all want to be responsive to our, our constituents. But it's really critical to understand that our architecture is deliberate by design. If you think about it, no one person is elected to make decisions for the school district. The decisions for the school district is by design fragmented. We have seven people, not three, not five, seven people who are elected to make a decision. So it's deliberate in nature in the way it's set up. It's supposed to involve uh, a decision-making process that is inclusive, that has different voices at the table. And what that means is to come to consensus and to really be able to have a decision that can be supported by the entire board takes time. And it results in a better decision at the end of the day in most instances because we have carefully considered 
and looked at a number of different angles and impacts and implications and ramifications of that potential decision. And to do all of that, it's very easy to, you know, to talk about, but it's harder to say you just have to be patient. And it does take patience on behalf of our new board members to get acclimated, but also uh, understand that, you know, decisions that are going to alter the course of the district really can't be made overnight. They should be studied. They should be something that are that is, as I said, deliberative by design. The final common mistake that I often see is the failure to be a team player. Acting as an individual instead of one of seven, as I suggested, you know, as, as one elected board member, you have the power to make no decisions. I'll say that again. As one board member, you have the power to make no decisions for the district. You have the opportunity to be at the table and participate in that decision and exercise your voice. And then at the end of the day, you are one vote. It is deliberative by design. And it is something that requires a collection of interests and a team effort. And it is something that, that the board has to be united around a common purpose. And it, you need to be a good team player in order to make it work. Now, I say that in the context of where we are today. I think there are a lot of people who have uh, gotten elected being very critical of the current board. That's kind of a part of the environment that we're in right now. I find that board members in this situation, they wake up and realize that they are now living in the glass house that they've been throwing stones at with six other people, and they can't even decide what to have for a meal without getting at least three other people on board. That is a rude awakening for many. And it takes people who are willing to sit down, understand that you're going to have divergent points of view, and trying to reconcile those competing interests, those competing points of view, and try to come to a consensus about what is in the best interest of the kids in the district. And that's a difficult thing sometimes because we have to set aside our emotions. We have to set aside some of our, uh, you know, personal angst sometimes, but it is something that has to be done in order to have a functioning board and a functioning team that is effective at governing the school district. And that is one of the most common mistakes that I see today. The other thing that I would say about this is that, you know, sometimes there are behaviors that uh, demonstrate a lack of, uh, of being a team player and, and can lead to a detraction when you try to build that cohesiveness, whether it's grandstanding on the live stream or any number of other issues. It may be interjecting new issues into a board agenda that hasn't, you know, that's been set. Uh, where it hasn't been, uh, there's no, not been any groundwork done on that particular agenda item. Those kinds of things 
they're not only disruptive, but they're ineffective because what happens is that it leads to that lack of ability to work together and it makes it much more difficult for everybody to succeed in the long run. And it's critical to remember you can fail individually or collectively, but you can only succeed together. Something to remember, I think, a little bit about board service. Well, those are a few ideas about common mistakes that we tend to see each year with new board members. I just want to take a moment to thank you, the listeners, for taking the time today to listen to this Ed Council Insights. Hope you'll follow and share our podcast on social media and subscribe to hear upcoming episodes on current legal topics and issues related to school law. You can also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, or LinkedIn. Or you can check us out at our website, just Google Ed Council, E-D-C-O-U-N-S-E-L, all one word, and you'll find us there. Glad we could be together, and thanks for listening to this edition of Ed Council Insights.